The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Good morning, chapel family. This is an odd time. This week, when I was thinking about what we were going to do, I had been watching some documentaries, and with my kids, I try to introduce them to older shows. And one of the shows that I loved growing up is Mr. Rogers. He always makes me feel safe and warm and comfortable, and it's like that warm chocolate milk that you can uh, have when you're younger, at least what I tried to have when I was younger. I wanted to bring something to you guys today that would reduce the fear and the worry, because I know that this is a lot of us this week. A lot of us this week are burning through this. There's half of a giant gallon here. If someone needs this, feel free to come by and steal it or fill up your jars at home. We're doing this because we're scared of this virus. We're scared of the impact that it might have. We're trying to listen to our government. We're trying to do the best we can to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that's why I wanted to do this Mr. Rogers theme. Today we're going to be talking about plagues and the power of God, specifically because I've been asked a lot of questions about this. A lot of questions, is this the end times? What are we going through? What is this telling us about what God is doing or who God is? But for today's experience, I wanted to give us an opportunity to have some semblance of gathering like we do on a Sunday morning with times of music, with times of prayer, with times in the word. So on that note, I'd like to invite my friend Jacob. And I know that this is a short pew. Uh, we are trying to stay as far away from each other as possible. But my friend Jake is a musician, so I want to invite him up and have him share a little bit with us. I'm going to ask him a few questions. Hey, Jake. How are you, Ryan? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, man. I would shake your hand, but I'm not supposed to. I don't want to get super close because I know that maybe your family's watching and um, <laughs> my family's watching. I don't know what my wife is going to be thinking right now because we're not quite six feet apart. Well, Jake, because you're a musician and because you've been in churches for a long time, I know that you're in the worship world. I wanted to ask you a few questions to give people at home ideas about how we can worship with music during this time. So what are some things that you've practiced over the years and some things that you could encourage our chapel family to do? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, but that's something that I've constantly are, am, am mindful of, my time in worship, regardless of the situation that's going on. It's something that we need and I need just kind of get me get me through you know this life and these situations that we're going through. However, um, you know, some practical things that we've been doing is, um, you know, we listen to music all day, whether we're looking to Alexa or you may have an Echo or something like that or just playing through the speakers in the house. I know by my computer that's what I'm constantly listening to. Just, just constantly keeping the gods, whether it's through the scripture or just through music, just in my mind. And you know, I can always grab my guitar or I can go to another room and play the piano or just sing some things. But just, um, just try to stay mindful of it so we can just be kind of be at peace, you know, with what's going on and just – when I feel like I might be getting a little anxiety or a little stress, I'll just go back and I'll plug something in or I'll just read a Bible verse or something to kind of kind of keep me in line. Love that, man. Who are your favorite like worship bands right now that other people could YouTube or Google? Oh, yeah, definitely. Spotify. Yeah, I'm a big Spotify guy. So I listen to um, – I got my own little track set. So it's like called – it's called Jesus is the title. So I, this is my sex. I have a bunch of genres that I listen to. But basically, I mean, I love listening to Elevation. Um, they have so many inspiring songs. We sing a lot of them here at the chapel. Um, also, Hillsong, of course. But I like to go back to, like, the 90s Hillsong, some of the old school stuff. Um, but that's very, very good to listen to. Also, Bethel Music is great. You can find all these, you know, whether it's set up lists on Spotify or YouTube 
or just do a search in Google, click on videos and a bunch of their songs will come up or just or however you're feeling, you know, in that day, you know, you can put like, you know, worship in anxiety or worship in, you know, anger or worship in the storm, you know, whatever. That's cool. And it'll just populate so many things. So I that's, didn't even know that. I've never done that. Never done I've that. Ne in 20 years, I've never done, well, 20 years ago, the internet wasn't really around as much, but oh, okay. I've never Googled worship and something to find a song about that. Ever. Oh, yeah. It's that's very helpful. Trip. Well, I worship that you, when, when your pastor's giving you all kinds of, yeah. you know, you know, he's going to teach on something. You can just go, okay, worship yeah. on plagues. <laughs> when I led worship originally, there were no touch screens. We had like <laughs> no internet running things. Uh, so you mentioned in there anxiety and fear. And I know a lot of people are operating in this right now because we've sure. got governors and presidents and mayors shutting down cities, giving ordinances, um, not only fear for, for our health, but I know that, for example, uh, they've shut down restaurants, dining in. And a lot of small businesses are being crushed. Chapel family, you know, some of the small businesses that I love to go to. There are some local ones right here by the chapel. And for a lot of them, it's a financial fear. So all of this compiled. And the Bible has this command still to say, rejoice again in the Lord. I say rejoice. And this idea to pursue joy, even in the midst of difficulty. Um, and just as a brother and a friend, I wanted to ask you, how are you doing this? You know, without mentioning anyone outside of yourself. What are you doing to fight for joy in the midst of a time where if news is going, that stuff is trying to rob us of joy constantly. Sure, so what sure. are you doing to combat that and to press into the joy of the Lord and, and find that semblance of peace? Right. Well, we definitely try to try to use some wisdom. You know, I mean, that the, it's going to be on the news 24-7. I think it's important to, to have information and get data, you know, to know what's going on, but also not allow it to consume you. You know, because it'll just pull you away from the Lord. You're talking less of Jesus and more of what's going, what what He can conquer. You know, um, so some things that I that I like to do to kind of get away from things, and I just change the channel. Well, I'll, I'll go outside. You know, my wife and I've been playing cornhole like every day, like a little tournament. <laughs> Who's better? Oh, she she's the best <laughs> at this game. I mean, I, I try to you know. At her level, it's difficult. At her level, it's difficult. Yeah, so she'll let me win once in a while. She'll throw with her left hand and mock me a little bit, but that's okay. I really appreciate that very much. However, that's something that, that but actually does bring me joy. Actually, spending more time together in the house. I know Renee uh, will spend a lot of time with Austin. Like she'll every day with the, a Bible verse, you know, yeah. with him, and we'll share things. She'll she, she'll send me, um, you know, some song lyrics this morning to kind of be encouraged. And for me, it's just to always just kind of how can I set myself away from things to kind of just kind of get my mind back on onto the Lord. And I think, you know, just spending more time in the kitchen and cooking and just being thankful for things. We're working on our garden again and getting, getting that going again. But just to remind me like, well, God has created such a beautiful day and we got this thing in our minds and that just helps to kind of reset, you know, where our mind is and just kind of refocus back on him. Sweet, man. I love that. I love that. Um, so on that note, I'm going to ask Jake to start getting ready. He's a musician. He's been part of the chapel family now for, I guess more than a year and a half, right? Man. Um, so he, he was on the schedule to play today, and normally with a big band. is where we'd have a band with drums and a bass guitar, and I didn't want to change the schedule up, and I thought because he plays guitar, it's an easy transition for us to do this. And I asked him to share some songs with you, specifically to lead us through a process of getting our mind off of the news, off of our worries, and onto God. So as he shares these songs, I encourage you, if you know the lyrics, to sing along. If you don't know the lyrics, to simply listen and hear what they might be teaching us about who God is and how we can respond to him in the midst of a difficult time. Uh, so on that note, Jake, I'm going to hand it over to you and let you uh, pray us in.
it's always such a <clears throat> just an honor and just an excitement to worship with with everyone and just to share you know god's word with you through song and i'll just ask as we worship this morning from our homes or in our cars uh, wherever we are hopefully our cars to get home and be safe that we listen to every word that we sing and we just dedicate them to the Lord but directly from our heart right back to him and as we just come before him, we say Lord we just thank you so much for this morning help us to find you through these stories of these songs God and know that you are glorious and that you are in control and we just ask that you do what you want to with us father that you give us the faith to walk out what you've called us to father and that you are a good, good Father, and that's why we can walk through this storm with you, hand in hand. Amen? It's our heart we're searching for. We want you and nothing more. Let your glory fill this place. We're alive in your presence. Let's sing that again. It's your heart we're searching for. We want you and nothing more. Let your glory fill this place. Alive in your presence. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to. Do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. We are standing in your life, and our hearts are open wide. Let us see more than before. Lord, come have your way here. To you, do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. Have your way. Consuming fire fall, fall on us. All consuming fire fall, fall on us. All consuming fire fall, fall on us. All consuming. What you want, all consuming by 
Call us to you, to trust him during this pandemic, to know he's all in all that we need. So sing that with me to give me faith, to walk it as we just sang, Lord, do what you want to do. Give me faith, trust what you say, that you're good, your love is great. Broken inside, 
and he's called us out. We walk in the faith that we just asked for, that we just pleaded for, give me faith. What we sing is, you're a good, good father. So not just sing this song because it sounds good, but we sing this song believing. Amen? Oh, to love 
for this time of worship. Praise the Lord. Check out this video and stick with us. Thank you. I looked and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. From the throne came flashes of lightning rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb 
looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of millions of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Hey, we're back. Thank you, Jake, for doing that music for us. When I was thinking about the talk from God's Word I wanted to share today, I wanted to start with that video because it puts our minds forward. It, this week, we've got a lot of Chapel family, and, and even sitting here, I've been asking myself, who am I talking to? So just so you know at home, I'm talking to people in my mind that I know. Uh, Matt, Matt M., who wrote a question, he, he sent me this multiple times, and then a bunch of other people started sending this to me. It comes from... Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. It's, it's wild. It says, If I shut the sky so there is no rain, so people are thinking about Australia and the fires, or if I command the locusts to consume the land, people are thinking about the locust plagues in Africa, in eastern Africa, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who bear my name, if they humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. So this, this concept in the Old Testament, this concept of God saying, I'm going to allow these things to happen so that people will turn to me. This is a theme throughout the Bible, and people are calling this a pandemic. I've heard pastors and televangelists, which is ironically what all of us pastors have become, but televangelists, the thing that that we are talking about, and I've heard people talk about, is, is this the end? And as I shared last week, if, if you were here for the in-person church gathering, the end began when Jesus died and rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father. The Bible is very clear about this. Now, there are additional prophecies that were laid out in the Word, and I, I want to caution any of us who are going to say, this for sure is the time. Like, Jesus is going to return in the next two weeks. Jesus is going to potentially return this year or next year. No one knows the day or the hour or the time but the Father. But we do know is that the one who is returning is the Lamb who is worthy to be slain. 
for the sins of the world. Now, coming back to this idea of plagues and the power of God, I went through, obviously, the most famous story of plagues in the Bible. And I want us to think about this today. I want us to think about the fact that God has allowed plagues throughout the course of history and pretty immense plagues at some moments for a purpose, to show his power and to draw his people to him. I was thinking through the plagues of Egypt, and I've done studies on this before to ask myself, why would God do these plagues? And for me, as someone who didn't grow up inside of the church, one of the questions that I've often asked myself, and I spent time pondering this week, was this. Um, what was it like for an Egyptian person who wasn't the Pharaoh? What was it like for the Egyptian person who wasn't even on his court, in his council? What was it like for an Egyptian person who just lived on the outskirts of the city? And all of a sudden, these plagues are coming down or coming into the water, coming out of the Nile River, and they're wrecking and ruining life. What was it like for that person? What were the fears and the worries and the concerns and the anger and the anxiety that they had that were welling up within them as these plagues were being subjected onto the land of Egypt? It's, it's easy for us to let go of things that we know in our mind, that, that we would say, God's got this. We would say, God's in control. We would say, I believe God works all things together for good. It's easy to say that when things are going well, but right now things are not going well. I know multiple people who have already lost their jobs. I know multiple people who are worried that they've been exposed to the coronavirus. There is a young adult from the last church that I was pastoring at who's posting updates on his brother who contracted the coronavirus and has been hospitalized for quite some time and is, praise God, recovering from this. But what, what would it take for us as God's people? There, there are verse after verse after verse in the Bible that talk about this. If my people humble themselves and pray, what would that look like for us to humble ourselves and pray? Now, it's different in the Old Testament from the New Testament because when Jesus came, he, his death paid for all of our sins. And his resurrection gives us hope of eternal life. It is no longer, it is no longer that we are in this limbo land of having to find God at a specific location and going to the promised land. God said, this was for a season, and now I'm moving all of my love for you into the person and work of Jesus, which I now give to you because of his death on the cross. So what do we make of plagues in this era of history? In the Israelites' era of history, the plagues were to show the Egyptians, you are not the most powerful nation, we are. But what do we make of it in ours? Something that's interesting, and, and you may or may not know this, but the plagues of Egypt, they actually attack the gods of the Egyptians. Each plague that was dished out by God through Aaron in the first few and then Moses through the latter ones actually flies in the face of one of the gods. And I just want to run through them just so you can think about this in regards to what's going on in our culture. The first plague was turning water into blood. The Egyptian god, Hopi, is the god of the Nile, the god who controlled the Nile, and God wanted to show them, look, I'm stronger than this god. You're, you think this god will bring you life because they derived a lot of their life from the waters that flowed through that river? God said, I'm taking over this god. The next god is the god Heket, which is the goddess of fertility and water and renewal. And this god in the Egyptian hieroglyphics has the head of a frog. Well, what was the next plague? It was the pestilence of frogs. God said, you think your God is in charge of frogs? I'm in charge of frogs. The next, it just goes on and on. The next God is the God Geb. It's the God of the dust. God turned the dust into gnats. The next God is the God Kepri, the God of creation that has a head of a fly in the ancient hieroglyphics. And God said, oh, you think that your God Kepri is in charge of flies? I control all the flies. The next God, the God of Isis, is the goddess of medicine. And God sent boils and sores. 
The god Newt is the goddess of the sky, and God caused hail to come over in the sky. The gods Set and Osiris are the gods of order, and God sent pestilence to finally bring to total destruction any order of, of food and supply that the Egyptians would have had. Ra is the sun god that many of us are familiar with from various movies. And God said, you think Ra is a powerful god? I'm going to cover and blot out the sun for three days of darkness. And then Pharaoh was seen as the greatest power of Egypt. It is God in the flesh. So God finally sent the death of the firstborn of every Egyptian person. Now what is it like if you're watching on and you're just an Egyptian? You're not the Pharaoh. You're not in his council. And you're asking yourself, what is going on? Because right now, I think there are a lot of people like this. People who are looking around saying, what's going on? Who has answers? And some people may be turning to the Bible for the first time in a long time. And here's, here's what I would tell you from God's word. Anything that we can use to give us a wake-up call to be who we are supposed to be, we have to press into that. I think the church, oftentimes we can be complacent. Even in this exercise that we're doing around us, we've got a couple of cameras here. We've got Hootie, who's going to be more stressed out than all of us running our tech and live stream. We've got Don, my brother, who came because he said, you know, there's going to be people there. I'm going to go make coffee for them. We've got Jake. We've got Jared who's acting like our security. And this is all that's here. And this act, it, it gave me a wake-up call. It made me think about something, which is this. What are we doing as the people of God to show others how good and gracious our God is. Because right now we have this opportunity. We can waste this time with a pandemic or we can use it for the glory of God. And, and here's what I mean by that. And here's why I picked Mr. Rogers' theme of won't you be my neighbor. And, and there's something I, I put in that video when I made it just for me. In the very end of the, the trailer video for today's service, it says, won't you neighbor? And then after a, a brief pause, be my appears in the middle. But I, I want us to think about what it would be like and what we can do to neighbor well. Now, in the Old Testament, God was driving the people through a path. It was a historical path that he was leading his people to to get us to know Jesus. And now that we have Jesus, we ought not be the type of people who go slinging around condemnation, who say, this is God's judgment on you, O sinful nations. Because you know what? That's the only type of nations that exist, sinful nations. Instead, now we have the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus who takes all of the sin of the world, all of the brokenness of the world, every fabric that's been torn spiritually, and he makes it whole again because of what he has done, not because of what we do. So we are not called as believers to bullhorn our superiority over others. As a matter of fact, we're called to the very opposite. We're called to be neighbors, to love our neighbor as ourself. We're called to, when we know someone that's running low on toilet paper, to guess what? Like, give them your last roll of toilet paper. We're called to reach out and touch somebody that no one else wants to touch. This last week, I went around and I bought some snacks. And this was when there were still some sparse types of food. So I went to Bass Pro Shops and I knew they'd have hunting snacks there. So I went there and I got hunting snacks. And I drove around downtown and I just handed some food out. I just wanted to, to go talk to people to see if I could pray with people. And I, and I asked a few people, I said, hey, has anyone come to, come to give you guys food or pray with you yet? And they said, no. No, no one's come by here. It's, it's not, they're the, they were the untouchables before this. And now with the coronavirus, we've become so consumed with ourselves, with our safety, with our quarantine, with our family. And Jesus said, I'm giving up myself. I'm giving up my safety. 
I'm giving up my life so that I can love others. It's a very different way of thinking. So when I think about this plague time in the Bible of God systematically going through and destroying the gods of the Egyptians and it causing total chaos, I thought about, God, what, what gods are you destroying right now? You know what God is getting destroyed almost instantly? The God of financial stability. There is no more. No one's under this illusion that we're here and we could do it on our own. There are restaurant owners who today in this moment are panicked because the governor said no more restaurants can serve people. And they're going to try to do things to take out. Let's get people to come in. You and I know the reality is that there's a lot of fear. People are staying in their house. If you're anything like me, we have our fridge and freezer packed to the max of food because every time we go to Costco, we're buying more things. So what about that restaurant owner that's panicking right now? What about that brewery owner? What about that coffee shop owner? What about that small business owner who does marketing for companies and now these companies have no more money so they're not going to hire the marketing companies? And the daisy chain goes on. God has literally in one fell swoop, and I'm not saying it's a, God, it's a move of judgment, it's an act of mercy that he would show us how fragile this God is. Because I have, and maybe you have for so long, put all of your hope and all of your trust and all of your faith and, and money to provide for you the things that God was intended to provide for you. What's the other thing? Obviously, it's, there's the God of finances, and we, we've all trusted that God. I've trusted that God. I've set up that idol. And then the God of health. like The idea of social distancing. I was in Costco last week, and I'm six foot six, and I put out my arms, and I twirled around, and I was yelling out and saying, social distancing, social distancing. And when people got close to me, I was coughing. Ah! And I was trying to make a little bit lighter of the situation. That's how I deal with uh, fear and anxiety is I will use humor to deflect. And so I was doing it in the middle of Costco. And my wife was disowning me and pretending she didn't know me. Um, But it it brought up the level and the conversation. And, And the reason why we're saying this is because it's scary. Because some of us or maybe thinking, well, it can't be that bad because you read the reports. Uh, you know, mostly young people, they're just going to recover. It's going to be like a cold for us or a flu. But it's the elderly that we have to worry about. And, and I, I, I don't know how it went down in Egypt, but I was thinking about this. When people tell me, oh, it's, it's just the old people. It's just the old people. It's not, it's not a big deal. Like, we'll recover. I've seen these spring breakers say the most ridiculous things. It doesn't matter to me. It's not a big deal to me. Um, so this is my... This is one of my grandmas. She's 90. She's the oldest person that I have. That's her. That's Grandma Tarona. That's proof that I am half Filipino. And, uh, and my grandma, when I think about her and I think about my other grandma who just had cancer removed from her body and is going through chemotherapy, so she has a compromised immune system. When I think about my father-in-law who has been coughing since I've known him and, and he refuses to probably quarantine himself because he's such a strong-willed person. Uh, I think about those people in my life who are older and um, and why like then all of a sudden health becomes a God thing for me like I want to be safe for them and I want to do it for them out of love on one hand but on the other hand I need to remind myself of the truth that we are passing by my son has been asking me uh, my oldest son Jackson who gets sick often I've told him many times because every time he gets the flu, he almost has to go to the hospital during that because his lungs don't work so well. And he asked me, he says, Daddy, am I going to die? Just flat out. He's asked me at least 10 times in the last week since we've been stuffed at home alone. Daddy, am I going to die? And I tell him every single time, absolutely you're going to die. Absolutely. 
And you just see the look of fear across his face the first time. But he's been my son for 11 years now, so he knows. And he goes, I mean from the coronavirus, Daddy. And I tell him, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to die from the coronavirus, but you're going to die from something. And you're going to die on a day that was appointed for you to pass on from this world. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no plague that can hold sway over us. There is no uh, amount of, of homeopathic or medicinal things or do we have enough beds. The God of the universe says, I have you in my family and I hold all things in my hand. And a sparrow doesn't fall off a branch without me caring and knowing and ordaining and being present for that moment. And here we are wondering, Lord, how do I do this? What do I do? And I am, as a believer, trying to love my neighbor as myself. You know, Jake has his own wife and kids. Jared has his own wife and kids. Hootie has his own wife and kids. Don has his own wife and daughter. And I'm, I didn't shake hands with them because I care for them. If God wants to, he can take me home between the chapel and my house. And he can take you home right where you sit in your living room or on your phone at the beach, wherever you are. All I'm asking you to do is this. Think about the gods. And when I say gods, I'm talking about a lowercase g the gods that this virus thing has shaken up, the things that you're trusting in for your identity, your security, your worth, your value, your sense of, of being, your sense of safety. And if any of those are shaken up right now, we shouldn't use this as a time to give into fear. We should use this as a time to, to recognize I've turned to a God that's a lowercase g, and I need to put my hope and trust and faith back in the God who created me, back in the God who sent his one and only son to die for me, back in the Back to the God who's in control of every microbial particle of coronavirus, COVID-19, of whatever flu comes next, of whatever accident is looming, of whatever growth is in my body now. God is in control of it all. And what will it look like when we can finally, as a people of God, put our faith back in him? Put our faith back in him and not want to go back. Because the interesting thing about the Egyptians and the Israelites, when those plagues went down, the Israelites were released finally. But it wasn't long. It wasn't long into their release when things got hard out in the desert that they began crying out saying, why did you take us here? At least in Egypt we had this and this and that. They wanted to go back to the old ways. And that's the last thing I want for the church. I don't want for us during this four week or two month or whatever it is of virtual church, I, I don't want us to, to see this as a stopgap. I want us to figure out what, what can we bring that's new life out of this because God, Yahweh, the creator of all, has been ripping down idols in my heart since this coronavirus thing started. And he's replacing it with faith in him again, with faith and trust that who knows if I have enough money to pay the mortgage? Who knows if how, how long we can keep this building floating while not even using it? Who knows? God knows. And I will trust him for that. So what is your thing? What is your biggest area of worry? And how can I pray for you in that today? I want to be able to pray for you. I'm, I'm logging in some hours in prayer. I'm driving in my car. Uh, this week, I'm going to go down to Davis Island to one of my prayer spots for just big blocks of time. I'm just going to pray for all the prayer requests. If you can text them into me, uh, my number will be right here in the live stream. If you're new to the chapel and you don't know me, I will still pray for you. Feel free to text me. Uh, any prayer requests, any questions you have throughout the week, because we're going to be adding other things into our chapel rhythms. I want to begin adding in uh, podcasts where I can have discussions with people about different areas of faith and life, and we're going to navigate and walk through this whole thing together. But the purpose, the purpose of, of God's power in the midst of plagues is to bring us back to himself. 
we've been so comfortable for so long. I've, I've been watching some church services online, and it, it was almost like they were trying to create their service exactly the same but online. And it just seems so weird to me. Um, if, you're, if you're a chapel family, you know that my brain's not going to function normally, that I'm gonna, I want to think about ways to love you right where you are, and I don't want this to be a stopgap. I want this to be a launch pad of not seeing this Sunday gathering that we, we used to do as the primary point, but of seeing you and me wake up to go and be the people of God who love our neighbors in the streets, even when it's terrifying, even when it's scary. To see us go from Sunday big church to micro churches who can go in and love people and, and infiltrate with love into the restaurants. And maybe right now that's what some of us need to do as micro churches, or maybe you're not in one, to get with a group of friends and just to say, hey, let's single handedly, let's single handedly get a bunch of friends together and let's save one establishment or help one establishment that we love right now. Let's, let's take this as a time for them to see that we're Christians by saying we're going to come and buy gift cards every day during this pandemic, every week, so that we can help you guys. Or let's say you're one of the moms or dads that homeschools their kids because right now there's a bunch of people freaking out about people who are uh, going to have to be involuntary homeschool wardens because I'm one of them. And, and so I'm, I'm going to talk to one of our children's director who homeschools her kids. I'm going to try to have a conversation with her and say, How, what can we do to help? these parents like me who are just freaking out because right now by 11 o'clock I'm done and that's in the morning like before my coffee pots are are done being consumed I'm already done with my children because it's been so difficult because there's so many people on top of each other because we're not letting them play with their friends and they want to do so what can we do you guys to bring sanity back to our lives to replace all of these fears that we have with faith in God and to replace all of these things that we're doing to cloister ourselves up with instead asking ourselves, how can we safely live on mission for Jesus? You can stay six feet away from somebody and love them very well still. So what are we going to do with that? And let's not come back to this Sunday gathering when this is all done and have it be just like we never left. Let's make this an opportunity where this gathering and this space finally becomes what, what my dream and prayer has been for it to be, a secondary worship gathering. Not your primary source of spiritual feeding, not your primary source of fellowship, not your primary source uh, of anything else, but hearing the gospel and, and singing with the larger body. Let's be who God's called us to be. And let's stop living in fear. We don't have to be afraid. We can be strong and courageous because the Lord your God is with us. Let's pray. Father, I'm, I'm grateful. Lord, I, I don't know if this is like half podcasts and, or half sermon. I don't know what just happened, Lord. Um, I pray that this week you would stir up ideas in all of us on which books of the Bible to press into and study. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thinking about Jesse who's studying the book of Hebrews and Hootie. I'm thinking about those of us who are going to be reading in the Gospels or maybe looking at the plagues again. Lord, I pray that whatever you're doing right now, it would wake up the church. That we would become a people of gripping prayer that we would grab onto the hem of your robe lord i pray that we would become a people who are turning off the news god the news is driving me crazy people are watching so much news they're not even turning it off so lord i pray in the name of jesus that you would that you if you need to god if you need to just shut off power to the city so that we only have paper bibles to go to because this news is driving fear into us. That's what they're doing, Lord, and I pray against it in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would make us a people of your word 
And I pray that you would stir up creativity in the microchurches and in our families to just ask the simple question, what is God trying to wake me up from? Which gods, lowercase g, are you, Lord, trying to rip from our lives? What idols are you trying to remove off the shelves of my heart, Lord? I thank you that I thank you that in this moment I can have joy because in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I, I will hold that banner above my life as long as I live, Father. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. In Jesus' name, amen.